Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. I'm your host and GM, Azul, and today we are back. Happy New Year, everyone. I sincerely hope that you all had a brilliant, restful, colorful, wintry, I guess, or summery holiday. We are so very glad to be back, even though we kind of very much enjoyed the holidays and we want more holidays. But at the same time, we're glad to be back and doing DFYT again. 2022, right? It's a whole new year, a whole new universe to explore and all that. At this point, honestly, my bar for what makes the year good or bad has been getting quite low. Um, at this point, if, if 2022 is a year with nothing interesting happening, I'm happy with that. That is a good year at this point. Anyway, today we are going to continue playing Soth, diving even deeper into the disturbing suburban cult within Collinsville. However, before we begin, a brief aside to explain a particularly interesting mechanic in Soth that we were asked to elaborate on by some of our listeners. Specifically, the Mask of Sanity rule. So, when player characters in Soth engage in a lengthy or meaningful or intimate conversation with an NPC, they must follow the Mask of Sanity rules. The Mask of Sanity rules essentially state that they must choose an action from a provided list and do that action during a conversation. Cultists with lower clarity scores can complete the Mask of Sanity rules by merely mentioning Soth or something odd. But as their clarity score increases, Players are forced to commit more egregious, disturbing, and strange actions, like directly menacing the person, or essentially just telling them what the cult is doing. And this must happen with every single PC to NPC interaction. Cool. Now that we've got that sorted, let's get on to the episode. Previously on Don't Forget Your Towel, the first ritual to summon Soth, the lighting of the way had to happen urgently at midday at the temple. I guess we could abduct one of the guests at the inn. I think our cover should be the library's Christmas committee. If Doug wants to be there at noon, perhaps he could taste test some of the food that I'll be making for the party. Dolly, you're home. This is James. Um, he's, he's a traveler. He's, he's here with a friend. Do you mean Richard? So you know him then? Oh, not really. I led him to the library. He wanted to have a look at some of the books. Uh, he was actually going to help us tomorrow with the event. Maybe you want to join us. Have you considered maybe going back to the house and resolving things with your family? Sage, what? I mean, Benjamin isn't that bad, despite the things that happened. And you know, I, I saw him drop Theo off at home yesterday and seemed... He was with Theo? What, what is wrong with you after everything that they did to me? To us? Well, good morning, Kathleen. I'll just I'll just be here, you know, it's fine. I, I'm perfectly fine on my own. You do find the key. So now I'm like one step closer to actually being able to find the tome. Gonna have a rummage around there. What are you doing? Nothing. So I think Sage would be kind of kneeling on the floor and Kath would have just bent down to pick it up. I'm just gonna like lunge up at her and try and get the box. You essentially tackle her onto the ground, both of you falling through the ground. You're on top of her, as, as far as you can tell, but she's also holding onto the box very tightly. What in the hell is going on in here? On Christmas Day, Christmas on the Day. Isle of Yeah. 
Moving away from Kath and Sage for a moment, Benji, I think uh, before you leave, Benji, Jeeves comes up to you and requests a moment of your time. Of course, Jeeves, what, uh, what do I owe the pleasure? Good morning, sir. Mm. We've seen an old lady walking around the part recently. I do not know if she's an acquaintance of yours or not, but... I just thought it right to inform you of this, sir. Now, where have you seen this lady? And it's kind of like, it's going to like almost drop the facade. Describe her to me. Well, wearing a floral dress, I could not see her face, unfortunately, sir. You know that I know every individual each of the 3,001 individuals in the town, uh, yet she had her sun hat down and I could not see her, sir. Could I, from what he's saying, figure out that he's he might be describing someone that I've seen? Is this the old lady from the library yesterday? The only person that comes to mind is her because mm. that's the only old woman that you've seen recently. But you're a smart man, so you know that just because it's the first person you think of, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is that person, but really no one else comes to mind. Cool. Um, yeah, for a moment, the, the facade is almost going to slip as I realize who that is or who it might be. Jeeves, now you listen here. I'm always listening, sir. You see that woman snooping around this, our state, you make sure, you make sure that you stand her back where she came from. She has no place meddling in my affairs. You hear me? Certainly. So, am I to assume you know this lady, sir? Uh, where should I send her back to? Uh, and he's going to like take a moment as he realizes what he's done a little bit. And then, <laughs> oh, oh, no, she's just some crazy old bat from town. Don't you worry a thing. Um, you know what? If if ever you see her, just uh, make sure you send her on her way back, uh, back into town, okay? There's a good man. Of course, sir. Uh, well, I suppose I should bid you a good reading today. Absolutely, Jeeves. You know, tis the season for giving, and you are so generous. Of course, sir. And I'm going to, like, slap him on the shoulders and be like, all right, children, let's go. So he, he kind of turns around and heads off, Benji, but, mm. like, just before you manage to get into, the like, your car, he turns around and says, sir, you know, I trust you implicitly. I have been working with you for... Honestly, I can't remember my life before working for you. Uh, I heard that the library would be closed today for a uh, some kind of event discussion. Uh, what library are you going to for your reading, sir? It's gonna kind of like pause for a bit. <laughs> How many libraries do you think this town has? He pauses, kind of like looks at you for a moment, and he says. Just the one, sir, our glorious library by your great-great-grandfather, yes? Then I suppose you have there your answer. And I'm going to just like, like, just lock eyes. <laughs> like, this is the kind of thing, like, you, you, he has been our uh, butler for ages, but he needs to know where to draw the line. At first, he holds his gaze at you questioningly, but a moment later, he nods gently and bows. 
I understand, sir, very well. Have a delightful reading. You have a great day now, you hear? Right? And then Christmas music on, and it's like he drive, drives off. Yeah, the last thing you see as you, you know, look in your rearview mirrors is his balding head <laughs> shining in the morning sunlight. Furrowing his brow. <laughs> Just looking at you. <laughs> so, dearest Benji, did you act upon the mask or not? I would, I would uh, in my opinion, argue yes, because I am at a level one, and I believe number two is to kind of push your superiority and i like this ah. is the first time i think that i've been like she doesn't belong here you go get rid of her and you know your place happy to acquiesce certainly so before you get to the library what do you do with your children because i believe they're in the car with you yeah so i think um i would go to the uh, church where the service is happening um and perhaps i might seek out theo to like help them find a seat and get them settled and such and then kind of be on my way, make an excuse for having, uh, you know, just uh, fuck out something at the house. I do apologize. <laughs> um, and then go out to go grab it. But secretly, cult stuff. Yeah, definitely. That goes swimmingly. There's no problems in the church and you kind of exit and head off. As you go through the many hallways, Benji, you know, you mm. pass by the, the altar that's been created, you imagine, by one of the other cult members. Like, do you feel anything particular about it or are you, are you, like, are you happy with it or do you think there's more to be done? Or I feel, for the moment, a sense of pride and closeness to self. Of course. As I gaze upon the canvas in which we will paint this tapestry of blood (laughs) (laughs) yes um so yeah part of the part of the gist of this game is as a cult you're also defining who soth is to you so can you tell me cult leader dearest benji one aspect of the shrine that you particularly think uh, resonates with you and why that resonates with soth i would say for Benji is he considers uh, Soth to be his like guiding light. It is his sole reason for being the purpose that he feels like he was kind of bred for. So when he looks at this altar, he needs it to be lit in such a way, almost as if it's a kind of a signal light, something that calls out to Soth that that uh, encapsulates that warmth and light for him. He would need it to be that. So, like, the candles need to be quite large or quite bright or uh, Mm. the altar itself needs to be well lit so that even though we do this in darkness, Soth can gaze down and see in in great detail what we've done. Of course, delightful. As you're gazing down on this delightful creation of the holder of the tome, you hear very distinctively coming from the restricted section, or at least the direction of the restricted section, a woman's shriek what do you do are there any ritualistic items around i because i think um like a dagger or kathleen also uh, keeps the daggers right yes so i suppose we should ask kath kath do you think you would have left a dagger or something like that lying no i i have the specific dagger that we Mm. need on me perhaps then this becomes a case of uh mr benjamin mr carruthers in the library with a candlestick (laughs) Uh, i pick up the candlestick and start like you know with the light still kind of emanating uh go to investigate the sound do you rush there or are you taking your time or i am being cautious this is kind of one of those things where it's like 
I don't know if I need to have my, oh my goodness, gracious lord, what are you doing here? Or my, like, we just found another sacrifice. So, like, I'm, I'm kind of overly cautious of the version of Benji that needs to be seen right now. Yeah. Mm. As, you're, as you're approaching, like, taking your time, just making sure you're being cautious, mm. you hear two individual uh, different voices. They're both women's voices. What do they say, Kath and Sage? Sage is quite frantic. She would probably just be yelling things like, give me the tome, I need the tome, I need to smell it. (laughs) (laughs) And how about you, Kath? Kath is just yelling, get off me! The more you hear these voices, these words, Benji, you it doesn't take you long to recognize who they are. Yeah, I think the moment that I, <laughs> I, I that I hear the phrase, give me the tome, not so much that I need to smell it, <laughs> but give me the tome. Uh, I, I, I become hurried and I like I burst into the like into the room kind of just again like now that i know who it is i know which benji they're about to see so as i burst i go what in the hell is going on in here oh and what you see is quite an amusing spectacle you see kath on the ground face up struggling against sage who is literally on top of her they're both grasping this wooden box that you recognize to be the same wooden box that contains the tome what do you do they're they're literally just fighting off over this he's gonna breathe in deep and say both of you stop this madness right now someone get up and explain to me what is happening does Sage get off me? Um, this isn't the command. Okay, yeah, that's what I was okay. going to Oh, yeah. This yeah. isn't okay, the command. Great, great, great. I think, I think that Sage will kind of stop fighting, but she's not going to let go of the box. Like, she's determined to still have a hand on it in case <laughs> Kath lets go of it. But she is going to kind of be a little bit scared at what, what the cult leader could do at this stage. So, yeah, at the moment, she's just staring at Benjamin. In that case... Kath is going to look over at you, Benji, and just be like, can you help me here? She is trying to steal the tome. Uh, yeah, I think at hearing that specific sentence, I am going to rush forward and kind of just try and pull Sage off of uh, Kathleen. Yep. So Sage, I must ask you, are you going to attempt to fight against Benji trying to get you off of Kathleen or are you going to acquiesce? I'm going to try and fight against it as much as I can. I doubt that I stand a chance against Benjamin. So I imagine that if he lifts me up, it will happen and I'll just be flailing (laughs) and shrieking and just putting up as much as a protest that I can. Well, because you are going to struggle against him, we are going to enter a conflict. (laughs) Oh, this is kind of involving all three of us, right? Because I wouldn't have let go of the box. It is. So since it's been a while, I'll go through the conflict steps again. The first step of the conflict is to establish a situation. So Benji, Sage, and Kath, what action are you intending to take? What do you want to achieve with said action? And who or what is the target of the action? Okay, so from Benji's perspective, he is going to walk in. And if they are both kind of uh, prone, (laughs) uh, he's going to grab Sage by the scruff of her neck, kind of just like grab as much of the cloth as he can and just like pull back and upwards. Um, Sage is going to hold on to the box in the hopes that Kath will let go of it by like being distracted or something. And Kath is also trying to keep hold of the box. So at the moment, I believe that the current player is going to be Benji because he's, uh, he, he's, he's got the momentum, he's got the surprise. So unless somebody wants to seize 
initiative. What teasing initiative means is basically you are going to add one clarity to your character and basically go first in this initiative order. Kath? Sage? No. No? No? Cool. So Benji goes first then, as usual. I'm going to use the given criteria to determine how successful you are, Benji. Since it's been a while and we and our listeners may not remember how this goes, I'll vocalize the criteria and my decisions for them. But usually, and from henceforth, I'll be making the call and announcing just the result. So I think you've definitely got superior position. Not so much for the superior resources. And for superior capability, I'm going to have to ask you a question. Do you have any boxing or martial arts or some kind of self-defense history? I think as much as like a a dilettante might, um, perhaps boxing or fencing or any kind of uh, fancy person sport, he would have taken lessons in, but only as much as a fleeting fancy would give him. I, not enough to go in against an actual boxer, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, no, I understand. And so you do have the superior capabilities. Not only do you have experienced boxing, but I believe you are also the larger individual compared to the two of you. And finally, with regards to momentum and surprise, as I mentioned, you do have it. You have no injuries that would hamper you and you have no consequences that are still applying to you from a previous situation. So you are quite, quite successful. Like it does not take you much effort to pull Sage off of Kath from her collar. Are you really caring about if you hurt her or are you just carefully doing so? Uh, I'm still kind of in that information gathering portion of it. Like, I know that Sage is kind of the antagonist in the situation. However, I don't know if that deserves a beating. You're not going to pick me up and throw me against the wall or something? (laughs) Um, It will be firm, but not like I'm not out to injure you. Of course. So what essentially happens is that you are successful with your action. You are completely successful. You pull Sage off from her collar, off of Kath, Kath, you manage to like, now you are free, essentially. You're still holding Sage by the collar, but you know, like not hurting her, but keeping her off of Kath. Mm. Um, So now that you've done your action, we revert back to the beginning of the the process. So you've already acted, Josh, so now it's everybody else who uh, is in the situation. So Sage and Kath. Given the situation changed, what would you like to do? I would like to move away from Sage. <laughs> who's, who's holding the box at the moment? Kath is holding the box at the moment. Oh, I, I forgot to mention. So unfortunately, you were not successful at that because you were just wrenched mm. away, Sage. Well, yeah, I mean, I've just been plucked off the ground. So I am quite startled and maybe just like protesting a bit, being like, Benjamin, please put me down. I just want to be in like control of my body again and just want to be standing on my own two feet. Would you consider that as a plea or more struggling off trying to get out of his grip? I think struggling because part of me is a little bit scared of Benjamin as well. Oh, okay. So I think given the situation, the current player will be Kath, unless, Sage, you want to seize initiative? Nope. So, Kath, it is your turn. I think you're pretty successful as well. There's nothing in particular that would hinder you from doing so. You kind of, uh, you know, scurry away from Sage, get to your feet, brush yourself off, and you're staring at this, again, amusing situation. Um, At this point, Sage, we can end the conflict, or if you want to keep acting, we can do so. Does this does this situation change how you're going to behave? Is, is I guess the question. I think yeah, I'll be a little bit flustered and maybe a bit embarrassed how I've acted. So I think Benjamin kind of pulling me out of that situation kind of made me reevaluate what I'm doing. Like I kind of just like snapped out of that that need to see the book 
and snap to like needing to survive, I guess, like needing to like protect myself and not the book. Of course. And so we, we, we come out of conflict and we're back to normal again. And so what do you all do? Well, You've made quite a mess of the restricted section, I see. I, I just needed to find the book. I'm I I'm really sorry. Sorry. I I if we have time, I can put it all back where it was. What in the hell came over you? I just I I needed to see the book. I needed to find the book. I, I'm sorry. I really don't know what came over me. No, today you do not touch the book. You do not look at that book. You hear me? Yes, sir. We are here for a divine purpose, and it is only by the grace of his holy light and your continued servitude and fealty that my sister still walks this goddamn green earth. You hear me? Or lest you forget, there are still two sacrifices left to be made. Yes, for the grace of Soth, for the grace of Soth. Now, if you have composed yourself, I believe we have matters at hand to attend to. And he's going to turn to um, Kathleen. Do we have a sacrifice for today? Are they prepared? Doug is here, and I believe whoever else is to be offered will be brought by Dottie. Now, if we have gathered our senses, let's get preparation sorted. Can I count on you, Sage? Yes, you you can count on me. And at this stage, I'm going to take my my bunch of lavender and just kind of hold it really tight to my chest. Almost like clockwork, given the mention of Doug, the mousy kind of rotund face of Doug kind of pops out from a side and kind of looks at all of you. And his, his eyes are like wide and he doesn't even say something because he's completely just aghast at what's going on. Oh, Doug, I am so embarrassed by all this. I do apologize for this. This must be some kind of sight to see. And I whack him square across the face with the candlestick, just like straight across oh, yeah. the head. Oh, dear. Oh, my gosh. This is not even worth conflict. It's such a I would imagine clean, they would just knock him out. Like Yeah, such a clean blow, such a surprise. Like, I mean, he is quite the timid person and he falls down to the ground with a thud. Um, his head is bleeding quite profusely, uh, but as far as you can tell, he is not dead. I'm going to step over his body and leave the room and say, clean this mess up. Well, Sage, I think you can bring Doug to the altar. <laughs> and I'll just sort of like swoon out with the tome still clutched <laughs> in my chest. <laughs> yep. So, Dottie, what's going on? I'm guessing you're getting James? Yeah, yep. I went to go get James at 11.30 for us to go to the library. Yeah, so Dottie, you have keys to all the rooms as a good hostess should. And oh, do you open the door or do you knock or? I knock first. Of course, of course. You you knock on the door, your usual number of taps, and wait for a response, but you get none. Uh, Mr. James, sir? Silence responds to you. I'm coming in, James. Okay, I, now I open the door. I use the key, unlock the door, and go in. You unlock the door and open it to find a empty room. Well, uh, not exactly empty. You do know that this is a room of somebody who is in the room. You see, like, clothes on the bed and that sort of thing. You see his bag, or at least uh, one of his bags. But he himself is not in the room. I'm going to check the bathroom, the, the ensuite bathroom. Is he there? He's not in this clearly amazing inn that has ensuite bathroom for <laughs> 
bathroom. <laughs> oh yes, it's a great. It's a great, a really good inn. We gave him the best room. <laughs> Any sign of where he might have gone? What kind of things are you looking for? I'm looking for. Does it look like he left in a hurry? Yes, it does. As far as you can tell, either that or he's a very messy person. His night clothes are still on the bed. His razors on the sink. It doesn't seem like he's cleaned up after himself at all. And of course, he's not there. Does anything look like it's missing? Anything I would notice? Nothing noticeably missing. No. Okay, I'm gonna go down to where my parents are in the kitchen. When you get down, Dotty, you're met by three individuals. Yes, your parents, of course, but you're also met by good old Izzy. Describe Izzy to us. Like, what does Izzy look like? Izzy is a clean-cut young man. He's wearing a button-up shirt, dark hair, uh, somewhat timid-looking. Yeah, that's Izzy. Of course, yeah. His hair is parted in the middle as well, and he kind of very enthusiastically waves at you and approaches you and says, Hey, Dot, how's it going? Oh, Izzy! What are you doing here? Well, uh, I came to get you, you know, because um, I'll be helping in the sermon today and I-, I wanted you to be there. Oh, that's lovely, Izzy, but I was actually helping out down at the library with an event that's going on. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought my parents would have mentioned it. They they knew I was going. He kind of glances at your parents who have been looking at the two of you very intently, but the moment he looks at them, they immediately turn around and pretend like they're cleaning like ale glasses or something like that. Izzy then turns back to you. Yeah, they, they kind of didn't say anything. Right. Well, I hope you enjoy it, though. Hey, have you seen? Um, We had a, a guest staying here, James. We were meant to, he was meant to come with me to the library. He scratches his head for a moment and then quickly uh, makes sure his hair isn't messed up. And he says, um, what, is it, what does he look like? Uh, I don't know. What did he look like, Mom, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, your mom and dad explain this. He's described as this. So he's not clean shaven. He's got a bit of messy hair. He is tall, uh, wearing like a trench coat and just kind of general baggy, beige, like brownie clothes. Yeah, that's what he looked like. I don't know. I didn't really get a good look at him yesterday. <laughs> oh, um, well, I, I kind of did see somebody like in a trench coat this morning, like way, way in the morning um, uh, around the church. But that, that's that's all. That, that's, pretty, that's pretty much it. By the church, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, maybe I could stop by the service just for a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, I imagine, like, is he a friend of yours? He was, he was with somebody else as well, like some old lady. Um, but, I mean, I imagine, like, I don't know, it's, it's probably his mother. Does he, is he, is he like a, is he like a Collinsville person or like just a, just a traveler? Is he a communist? Dot, don't tell me he's a communist. Are you, are you hosting, are you hosting, are you hosting a communist? Well, we don't exactly ask at the door, do we? Well, yeah, but like, shouldn't you? I don't know. I mean, is he going to pay in cash? As long as he's not trying to pay us in apples or something. Uh, Well, I don't know. I don't know. He was just traveling. He was looking for a friend of his who was also passing through here. I don't know. I wouldn't think he would have any friends here. Whatever, I just need to find him. So you're coming then? He says with a big smile on his face. Yes, I'll stay for a little bit. If the church doesn't burn down from me stepping in it. He kind of just looks at your gust. Don't, don't say that. It's not good. It's fine. It'll, it'll be fine. And he kind of just like jovially, gently grabs your like hand and kind of pulls you towards the exit. So you guys uh, head 
towards, like, you start walking towards the church, Dottie, um, but one thing is in the forefront of your mind, and that is it is get- getting very, very close to the time of the ritual. How long a walk do you reckon it is? Is it from the church to the library? Oh, it is. It'll be way past noon uh, <sighs> for you to... Yes, you could go to the church, but the distance from your... the. Where is the inn? It's like in the opposite direction, basically. The inn is is quite close to the library. library. (laughs) Okay, so let's backtrack. He's starting to pull me away from from the inn. Yes. He's he's pulling you down Church Road. Oh wait, wait. This is is this the way to the church? Uh, I mean, yes. I I kind of go to it all. I I think so. I mean, uh, uh, yes. Oh, uh, oh. I thought it was in the other direction. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I really have to stop by the library and let them know that I'm not going to make the meeting before we go to the church. It's really quick. The library's so close to here. He kind of looks at his watch and he says, I'm, I'm going to be late, Dot, if I if I go to the library. It'll only take a moment. It, it, he won't mind. Pastor Matt won't mind. He only wrote this sermon like the night before. It's, he's probably would be grateful if you're a bit later so he can get his his thoughts together. Yeah, you know, like, I'm really annoyed about that. He literally called me at, like, 11 p.m. last night to tell me about this. Like, I... Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like a Christmas Advent thing. But it'll only take a moment. We just got to quickly stop by the library and let them know that I'm not going. They're going to be so upset if I don't go. He looks at you for a moment, and I'm guessing that you're doing your best cute, pleading face as well. So, yeah, he caves quite quickly and sighs very deeply. Okay, fine, but we gotta hurry, okay? Like, we're going there, you you get your stuff done, and we're going to the church really quickly. Oh, absolutely. We will have to get this done within a few minutes. So, there will only be a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He's kind of, like, he gives you a quizzical look, but doesn't really respond, and you guys start heading towards the library. Yes, let's run. You guys start (laughs) running towards the library. (laughs) Let's jump back to the library. What is going on as, like, time is running very, very low? Like, it's getting to that point, everyone. Yeah, like, what is the time? How many minutes do we have? Well, I think it's, uh, it's like, like 45 past. It's 11.45, getting to 11.50 when, like, we open the scene. You're all around the altar. She should have been here by now. Benji is just kind of staring daggers into this altar. <laughs> just you can see that his patience is waning. I think that he's it's getting to that point where he might even like consider just walking out and grabbing the nearest person <laughs> off the street. <laughs> but he is silent. He is deathly silent. Yeah, I think Sage is feeling really uncomfortable in this situation. I'll say that Doug is already where he needs to be. Um, somehow I managed <laughs> Yeah. to do that but yeah <laughs> and Benji did not help yeah. <laughs> just did not help this is your this is your punishment yeah so Sage is just really feeling really unsettled feel, feeling really nervous and she kind of just says like should we have a cup of tea um, just while we're waiting something to enhance the senses maybe I'm just gonna shoot Sage a look <laughs> that is filled with daggers Dove. Um, and I'm just sort of pacing by Doug's body with the tome in one hand and the sacrificial knife in the other. 
time is ticking down and as with most moments when you are very conscious of time and you don't want it to do something, it does the opposite. So it's going very quickly, like you're, you're, you check your watch from time to time, Benji, and you can see the time, like minutes ticking down. It gets to a point where it's just 5 to noon when you hear the door of the library, which, which is quite a large door opening, and some very hushed or like low voices coming from quite far away. I guess without care um, and a little frustration, because I imagine we're dressed right now, ceremonial garb or whatever. Why don't you describe to me what your ceremonial garb looks like? Um, I would say like if you were to kind of like paint a picture for somebody, it is exactly what you expect it to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is like long flowy robes with like perhaps like oversized sleeves and such. Uh, the hood kind of drapes over and it like encompasses like the entire face to the point where it somehow just manages to cast a shadow deep enough that you can't really see the eyes, but you see the nose and the and the, like the, the jawline. <laughs> but it is it is textbook cult and pulling back the uh, the hood and such. I'm just going to go and investigate what that noise was. Yeah, so you pass by the empty hood that's on the ground and folded neatly for the member of the cult that is missing currently. Do you jog, run, walk? Like, you're running out of time, so... I definitely walk with purpose. Like, it is not jogging, but it is it is power walking almost. Are you taking anything with you? Um, Kathleen, are, mm. is it required for the keeper to be uh, the one or whoever's doing the murdering right to have the knife um at, at the time of sacrifice yes mm. i will i will say that um i you know what i have the knife with me this is my turn they did the last one i'll do this one okay so i've given you've made that clear i've given yeah. the knife to you yeah. in preparation yeah you're you're holding the knife with clenched fists and you're walking briskly quite fast down the corridors. In the meantime, we're going to jump to you, Dotty. So, like, once you get to the library, Izzy is like, okay, uh, just go, go do your thing. Uh, that's, gotta hurry, Dot. Yes, yeah, no, I'll, yeah, you wait, you wait here. You can wait here. That's okay. Uh, okay. I mean, I was, I was always going to stay here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you're going to stay here. Oh, what's wrong? Dot? Are you okay? Nothing, you stay here. So I'm just going to run into the library then. Yeah, uh, almost immediately you're met by a very grim-looking cult leader who is holding the knife. Why are you alone? But I was hoping that you managed to find somebody, an, a second person. I'm going to check my watch. You've got two, maybe even less, minutes. It was your job to bring this traveler to the temple, to this place. Where is he? He was missing in the morning. I hear he's at the church, but I do have somebody. Who? Izzy Reeves. He's outside. Why is he here? He was at the inn. He wanted to come with me to the church, so he's here now. Can I see that uh, she's visibly upset? Yeah, I think you definitely do. I think there is going to be a portion of me that at least understands, and I'm going to place my hand on Dottie's cheek and say, my poor child. We all have to make sacrifices someday, but know that in the grace of his light and the grace of Soth's light, he appreciates everything you do. I know. <laughs> Praise Soth. It's okay. Go inside. Um, and I'm going to approach Izzy. 
Well, hello there. <laughs> like he looks at you and is, is immediately taken back and so much so that he literally just takes like a couple steps back. This is not the image he expected to see coming out of the library in the morning while he's waiting for his, his love. Uh, 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 Mr. C- Carruthers, um, why are you, are you wearing that? Also, also, you should be at the church, Mr. Carruthers. Like, we have a huge service going on now. I know, I know. Uh, unfortunately, I have um, other important matters to attend to now. Is, is this related to Do- uh, Dottie, I mean? Um, mm. w- where is she? And he kind of tries to look behind you. Do you care for Dottie, son? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> My boy, I've been on this planet Earth for too many years not to see or not to know when I see two young folk in love. Come here for a second. I want to ask you a question. He, like, hesitates for a moment, but then takes a step forward tentatively. When you said, like, you know, when you said mm-hmm. the whole thing about, like, being in love, like, he, he blushed a bit as well. Or maybe you're seeing that, you, you can't tell. Yeah, I think... The kind of facade, uh, my, my perhaps yet another layer kind of reveals itself. Uh, you know, a person who has at one point in his life been in love. Mm. He takes a step back and you can tell he's very nervous, but like he, he just, he makes himself look into your eyes. Now, I'm sure Dottie appreciates you, maybe even loves you. But sometimes, just sometimes we have responsibilities in our life. Do you, you know what I mean? And I hope that during this, I'm kind of like, it's a caring voice and I'm trying to cover the distance. You are very good at this. Not only as like the town's dilettante, but you know, you just have an air of like power. And Mm. so he does, he does kind of come under this charm that you're kind of pervading out of you. So he kind of, kind of nods um, silently trying his best to keep eyes with you, but a few times he does kind of look down and Mm. force himself to look up again. You are a man of faith, and I can see that. Hey, tell you what, I'm going to ask you something a little bit fun, just between you and me. Do uh, do you like puzzles? Do you like riddles? As you were saying that, Benji, like you could see him, you you could feel us and like a whole wave of relief going through him, like his shoulders come down and he says, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't dislike puzzles. I mean, some would say that God placed puzzles all over for us to complete. <laughs> you feel like a really wise person, Izzy. Then I, <laughs> I want to I wanna ask you this then, a puzzle for you. Okay. What is greater than God? And he's going to smile and kind of like, you know, talk about this one. Yeah. Uh, what is greater than God? More evil than the devil. The poor have it. And the rich, well, people like me, folks, rich folk want it. But if you were to eat this thing, or oh, you would surely perish. What am I? That This is easy, Mr. Carruthers. This is, uh, the answer is nothing. Nothing is greater than God. Absolutely. Nothing is more evil than Absolutely the- nothing is greater than the deity in which I pledge my allegiance. Nothing more dangerous and evil than the false idols that others follow. And there's nothing um, that the poor have, and they hunger. They hunger, Izzy. Don't you want to feed them? Don't you want to make sure that folks like Dottie don't ever go hungry again? Mr. Crothers, where is Dottie? She's in a better place, son. And I'm going to stab him. 
My question to you, Benji, is do you stab him in a vital location or in a non-vital location? Enough, Where do you stab him? Um, I would stay kind of um, around the midsection to the side. Enough that I'm like, I know that that's going to keep him. <laughs> I don't know where to stab people. <laughs> but like in a section which I, I believe not to be like deadly, but enough to maybe make his legs buckle. Okay. In this conflict, fortunately for you, you still have an overwhelming superiority to Izzy. And so you do succeed in stabbing him in a location. Mm. The knife's still in and he looks up at you with just wide eyes, opens his mouth. Like, it takes a while, but like, you you can see realization come across his face as it contorts in pain and he opens his mouth to scream. Yeah, um, and the next thing I'm going to do is just cover his mouth and kind of, as he collapses, or as his legs buckle, grab him in such a way that I can hold the blade in him uh, enough that like, if I need him to move, I can twist it to ensure that he like, doesn't fight against it um, and hold his mouth closed. Yeah, I think he's, he's very weak. Um, yeah. He's bleeding out a lot, mind you. Uh, so, I, yeah, as he's doing this, I'm kind of going to drag him in. I'm just going to, shh, 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 that's okay, boy. That's okay. You come with me now. I would actually wonder, sorry, if you don't mind me um, arguing, if I never pulled the blade out, is he bleeding profusely? Like, is it enough to... I think to answer the question, let's go to Kath for a moment. Kath, what does the blade look like? It's a dagger. It's kind of... It's pretty short, but it's a little bit wide set with... It's slightly curved, and the end is like a a curve that, that comes to a point. Have you recently sharpened it? I would have sharpened it before the first ritual, so I would have sharpened it yesterday. Uh, in that case, the answer to your question, dearest Benji, is he is still bleeding. Definitely not as much as it, he would be if you removed the dagger. Unfortunately, because it is curved and quite sharp, also because you, you, you acted very instinctively. It wasn't like a clean, straight-out cut where like the dagger's holding in the wound. It is unfortunately bleeding for you. Cool. Um, yeah, and I'm just going to drag him inside as quickly as I can and make my way back to the altar. Yeah, um, Dottie, when your dearest cult leader, I don't know if you would call it consult, but let's call it consult you, and left, did you stay there or did you go to join the others? I went to join the others and hurriedly get into my robe. Okay, so Kath, you're now the one who is counting down the time. You know mm-hmm. what the ritual is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You are very nervous. It is mm-hmm. one minute before noon and nothing seems to be happening. 30 seconds before noon and no change. 15 seconds before noon and still no change. And as the second hand jots down bit by bit towards the minute of noon, finally, just as it hits noon, you see your cult leader, Benji, dragging a limp but still struggling body, the body of a young boy to the room. He's bleeding and you can see the, a trail of blood behind them. Mm. What do you all do? I'm just going to go, oh, brace off. And I'm going to pick up one of the towels that I had laid down and sort of run over to try and I imagine futilely sort of catch the blood <laughs> that is dripping. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I'm going to rush over and help Benjamin carry the body to the altar because time is running out. Dottie is just sort of standing in the general area around the altar with her hands over her eyes and just sort of rocking back and forth gently and praying 
softly. Praise be to Soth. Her, her name is good. You bring you a sacrifice so you can bring the light. Praise be to Soth over and over again to comfort herself and not looking at the scene before her. So unbeknownst to you, the body of Izzy is placed in the altar. How, how is it placed? Kath, how do you require it to be placed? So the altar is very makeshift, so it will have to be just placed on the ground in front of the altar, next to where Doug is, is already laid. The moment that Benji lets go of the body, Izzy starts screaming. Perhaps nowhere near as loudly as you expect someone to scream, but they scream nonetheless. Ah yes, noise! We must make noise! And I'll grab like all my things and and like quickly faff like gesture for everybody to start playing their instruments so i just want to clarify something as we drag um because sage is uh helping me put izzy on the table right um i will lock eyes with them and say lock the door okay and like tell them to go shut the the front door of the library <laughs> that i most certainly left open because <laughs> occupied yeah, uh, yeah i'll Turn back around. No, there's no time. God damn it. <laughs> Stop, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just frantically gesturing for everybody to make noise in whatever way they can. And I'm grabbing random things and banging on them and literally just like screaming. And hopefully everybody else is doing the same. Mm. Yeah, I'll have um, grabbed my djembe drum and I'm just like smashing it and I'm just wailing at the top of my lungs. Yeah, I'm also going to start wailing. I guess, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna throw in some clapping too. <laughs> Waving, gesturing. In your wavy, manic sound eruption, you all do not even notice Izzy's hand kind of reaching out towards Dottie and the li- his lips forming the words dot dotty again and again. Uh, and I'm just gonna give like a, a look to Benjamin, like we gotta do it now kind of look. Yeah, I bring it down on Izzy first. <laughs> he gets the knife first. Apologies to ask, but how do you, like where, where do you, like do you... Somewhere significant, wherever we, our kind of cult, deems say perhaps the spirit or like somewhere to be it would be uh, slitting the throat and why is that significant to south holder of the town well first of all we need a good amount of blood to be spilled on the dagger for all the rituals to be complete and i think that that's just like a very quick method of making everything happen delightful yeah okay yeah then that and probably just due to the nature of it i try my best to make it as quick as possible for Izzy. It's not necessarily mercy for him more than it is a mercy for Dottie. Of course. And the knife slides across his throat very smoothly. It has been sharpened. It is incredibly sharp, even though it is still covered in Izzy's blood. While you don't hear the gargling that happens, but you do see tears well up in Izzy's eyes before they glaze over and he becomes unmoving. Mm. And then, of course, um, the same to Doug, but I imagine to less fanfare. <laughs> As Doug reads his last breaths, like he shudders a bit um, after his throat is cut. And something about the way he dies, even, even the way he dies, something about it just disgusts you, Benji. It is very beneath you almost, unlike the more serene way that you believed Izzy 
past. Eventually, after uh, time passes, you don't know how long. Uh, is it still the noon minute? Is it still, is it even one o'clock? You don't know. You're all crazed. You're all taken by Sot's powers, by the frenzy that you have caused with each other around you. Eventually, one by one, all of you look towards the holder of the tome and she nods. Does she nod? She nods, giving you the signal that all is complete or it is done. And one by one, you stop making the noises that you do. We're going to kind of focus in on Dottie for a moment, on the sight that you're seeing after finally calming down. I'm going to look the first time now at Izzy, what remains of him, and see the lifeless body of my former lover, I'm gonna go up to him, kneel down, and put my hands in his blood that's pooling around his body, and say, he's given his life to saw. I can't think of a better end. It is the greatest honour. As you all stand around the altar, this precious altar, this amazing and delightfully bloodied altar. And I would like to request that the dagger be placed on the altar so that the blood may dry upon it. Yeah, as you all surrounding the altar, you all feel something. You, you feel it inside your souls inside of your hearts, inside of your mind, it seems to creep and envelop everything that is inside of you. And something about the altar, something kind of sticks out, something glows in your mind, something about the altar. Let's go around and tell me what about this multifaceted altar, what object in it caught your attention and what is the feeling you're feeling and finally why you take that object from the altar and keep it the object that draws my attention is the dagger itself the blood is kind of calling to me as the sacrifices are piling on it this blood is holy blood that will be used to call forth soth and the red is just like shining and bright in my eyes and i will take the knife because not only is it my job to be custodian of the knife but also because i feel a, a holy connection with it it is now as sacred to me as the tome i suppose staring down at these bodies the flicker and the flames around me i i hear like this, the sounds of my uh, forefathers, um, those who came before me in this cult, you know, the people who built this cult up, crying out their, uh, their approval at what we've done today. And I know in my heart, and I think for like at least a brief moment in those flames, perhaps I even see them. And I also see my uh, wife, Rosemary, uh, in those flames. And I know that what we've done here is right and this light that I see in front of me is to be my guiding light throughout the rest of these uh, rituals and sacrifices so I reach out and I grasp that uh, candlestick that I hit dug over the head with and I take it in my hands and just kind of staring into the light that will be my memento of it as it were awesome the murder weapon <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that there is a clear ball 
like a small clear bowl filled with essential oils that I placed on the altar prior to the sacrifice and as I'm feeling Soth's power I kind of think that I see the color of the oils change to a deep red and so I, I I'll take the bowl and I will drink the oils and it was my bowl in the first place so I'm just taking it back <laughs> but yeah I'm just kind of like yes I can feel the power of Soth that's in it's like manifested in this bowl on the altar there is an ornament of so it's this pottery piece it's got these pieces sort of coming in and it's folding in on itself like a star imploding and this is meant to be a symbolic image of Soth and the effect that Soth has on reality the, the explosive and implosive nature of Soth and this is an imagery that we see in a lot of the drawings and artwork and writings of people who were followers of Soth throughout the ages and so there's an ornament of this on the altar and it's really speaking to me now as I feel the ritual working and Soth drawing nearer and that energy drawing closer this ornament is especially speaking to me and i take that awesome the second ritual has been completed what will occur in the aftermath of the second ritual whose suspicion will continue to grow and can the cult keep themselves together in time to summon soft find out on the next episode of go forget your towel If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at dfyt underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Towel Podcast, and through email at dfytpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider supporting us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like or review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way to helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. Till next time, keep your towels at the ready. Mm-hmm.